Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We're live. We have Santa or Monica. I don't know who is it. That's a beautiful view, Marco. Making me jealous. You're you're invisible today. But you have. Oh, you really we lost him. (laughs) (laughs) So we tried to turn the camera and uh, we lost the camera. Back so for those who are... We got uh, Vlad, so we got a special guest here. We do have Vlad, I saw that. Vlad, I like Vlad. Yeah, Vlad. Vlad shows yeah, he's, Vlad. A, he's a great contributor. He is. He's got a lot of opinions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and voices them regularly. They're mostly feed me, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's very vocal let, about them. Let me out, let me in. Or are you probably... Does, does Vlad use the uh, the tapping thing as well? No, he doesn't. But there is a one cat I follow on Instagram that uses the buttons a lot, Billy. And um, her, she seems to get mad a lot, which is, I, I would have expected that that might be a, a button a cat would, would hit a lot, but it turns out it is. They, they get mad. <laughs> and when she's done being mad, she hits the all done button. Nice. Signify she's, she's finished being mad, which is nice, nice, nice. Well, I don't know where Marco is, but uh, well, I know where he is, but I don't know why he's not showing up here. So, so for those who are wondering, Marco's not in the office. He escaped for a couple hours. He's in Malibu, very near to where I uh, used to used to reside, and I'd spend quite a bit of time at the at the park down by the beach there. So he's making me a little jealous. So you can't see it right now. The, the same park where Marco is, you would hang out there. I would, yeah. Huh? No. Not, I mean, it's a it's a baseball park, so I wouldn't actually probably spend much time in there. But across the road is where Pepperdine is, where I okay. would uh, do some of my as an adjunct professor. I'd do some of my courses on security analytics. So I'd look down on the park from up at uh, Pepperdine. Very cool. Yeah. And did you and Marco ever meet there when you lived out there? Uh, not at the park. Spot? No, no. no? It, okay. We would. Yeah, I'm surprised he's there. He waited, waited for me to leave before he goes to that park. That's what I'm thinking. As <laughs> soon. Well, I mean, th- th- it could be connected. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I mean, we we will not know because he's not with us. So we'll just have to uh, presume that that's the case. So here we are. We're on the tech vine, and uh, for those listening, the 
who have listened know that we bring tech news and uh, explore hopefully the positive impact that uh, the technology can have on our lives. And of course, we always we always take a moment to see if there are any other sides to the equation that uh, need exploration. So I don't know. Marco always kicks it off with some what's what's going on music or movies or something like that. I don't know. Anything, Diana? That's, that's true. Um, so, I, you know, I, I got to say, we got caught up in Gilded Age. Uh, we were big fans of Downton Abbey, but we saw all the ads for Gilded Age and we're like, it looks stuffy and who wants to watch it? And my friend Lisa Lee saw the first episode and she's like, you got to watch it. So uh, we put the, we watched the first episode, totally hooked. We got like right in. It's it's not stuffy. It's good old Julian Fellows melodrama. And there's a, a plot they just had with shorting stocks and which apparently like what what insider trading was not a problem back in the 1880s, 1890s in the U.S. That it wasn't illegal yet. I don't think that they passed a lot of the SEC rules until after the I think after the depression. Uh, so yeah, so there's all this wheeling and dealing where this guy wants to build a railroad station, which I think is going to be Penn Station. Um, and he basically tells the, the, the folks that need to vote the law, it into law that it would be acceptable. He's like, my stock's going to go up if you vote this into law. So go ahead and buy a bunch of my stock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That, that always works. Now, is that... I, can't remember is that the is it the same people that that produce this that do or did uh downtown abbey so it has some of that same kind of style and feel and tone to it it yeah absolutely that same because julian fellows was the showrunner and creator of downtown abbey and he just he tells a good story so it's got that very melodramatic a lot of you know like you know, who's doing what to who there's an upstairs downstairs aspect to it um and also, I mean, the, the sets are just absolutely incredible. The, the, the Nouveau Riche family is in a Stanford White of the McKim White architecture firm building. They did, I'm from, I'm from Boston, and they did the, the, the old, the McKim building, the Boston Public Library, which is just absolutely gorgeous. And the house that, that Julian Fellows has these rich Nouveau Riche robber barons in is that style. So, and the interiors are just, off the charts, you know, you're like sitting there looking at trying to imagine living there. The outfits are amazing. Um, yeah. So, and just the, the feel of New York city, supposedly in 1880, just, yeah, it's really just lush, lush. It's lush to look at the way that Downton Abbey was. Nice. Yeah. I think I saw an ad for it and uh, it, it, it piqued my interest. So I'll definitely have to check it out, especially with the, with the good reviews. Well, have you, have you looked at any of the, um, Olympic stuff. I don't know if any of that excites you or not. I have not been following the Olympics this time. How about you? I've not been following it. Um, I think I've caught a few things just by browsing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few events. Nothing nothing real exciting. Um, I, I caught some of the downhill, and I don't know all the, all the different versions of the downhill skiing. Um, yeah. But there was one where evidently it was just really icy and almost every other uh, contender competitor like slipped and fell and didn't finish. It was pretty strange. I was wondering about that. Cause I had read that they had to, and that's Ed, everybody. I know. I say, I've out. seen yeah. it. Hey, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I say hi to Sean and Marco. Um, 
but uh, uh, I, I read that they had to manufacture all of the snow this year. And I, I've never, ski, I don't downhill ski, but I've seen and felt manufactured snow and it feels very different. I don't know if, if it's that icy, like even like the, the indoor snow range, the indoor skiing in Dubai, for example, that's all manufactured. It's not like the snow that falls, the powder snow that you're used to in New England or something. It, it, it just feels very icy and very different. I don't know. Do you know if the snow that they're manufacturing, is it more like natural snow because it's outside or is it more like that indoor manufactured snow? You know, so my, I actually have not limited, but some experience with the, the snow making. Uh, yeah. Because I actually, I'll say traded <laughs> IT services for uh, ski passes at a resort. Uh, near, nice. near my place in California and okay. it was about the the snow making machines so they they would draw water from the lake into okay. a into a pump that fed all the machines and uh, so my my connection there was I had to actually help them troubleshoot the the printing the map printing of the the mountain where all the machines oh. were and the pumps were and the lines were and that way they could they would send these huge, giant maps of printouts to the uh, to the maintenance crew. So they'd go and connect them and move them around where they needed to be, and they'd use oh. these maps. So anyway, um, my understanding is that you can't just make snow to make snow. It, the, the conditions have to be right as well for it to be really good. And you'd oh, think, okay. that's well, I thought naturally – You'd want it close to raining or close to snowing anyway, but you actually want it very humid, uh, dry, very arid. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if it's, and I've skied a ton on it because obviously I did a bunch of work at the at the yeah. resort to skiing as well. <laughs> Your page work, right? right? My, my return on investment was uh, skiing, but yeah, it felt good. But it did I noticed? But again, it's the environment too. Southern California gets sunny during the day and even if it's not hot it gets that nice little glassy that edge, on, edge yeah. on top of it even if it doesn't completely melt yeah. into a block of ice but so i, I didn't look into it but it, it was weird looking at the the scene of that because the whole mountainside is like dark brown <laughs> and, then, right. and then just tons of snow where, where they're right, doing right. the thing but but then there were there were Ton, uh, not ton, there were some spots that actually had snow on the mountains and you're like why would they make snow over there unless it's just for visual aesthetics or it was it wasn't part of the the uh the competition zone it was kind of outside of it it seemed so was it higher up maybe it was at a higher altitude so it was natural i thought of that as well but up above it there was like a layer oh. at, one, at one level okay. and then above it was not not covered yeah. so huh Maybe it was just blow, blow by snow yeah. aesthetics. So it's in, in the shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be, it could be blow because we didn't realize till we, I, or I didn't realize till uh, we moved to the coast that if the snow is light enough when you live on the coast, it actually blows like sand. Mm, yeah. So we get sort of snow dunes, like sand dunes yeah. around the house in the right conditions. So yeah, maybe yeah. It just blew. Different conditions. I know we had two. Decent storms here on the east, and one stuck like crazy to the trees, and the other one didn't. Yeah. So it's powdered off. Powdered off. Are you back, Mark? Speak, speaking of aesthetics. 
good or bad? Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I I am back. I hope you can hear me. Yes. yes. It's a, it's really funny talking about technology. You know how everything was working and I was on my iPad before we went live. And then the moment we went live, I was hearing this voice like, you know, when you play a, it, like a 45, a 33 final, that is all like slow and And I thought for a moment that Sean was just making a joke on us, like doing a prank. <laughs> and then I realized that everything was normal except for me. So actually I pull out the computer and I pull it tethering here. So now I'm back to normal, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I love it. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel completely at home for the first time. I actually have a reason for, for not knowing what you're talking about. But I go. love snow, but today yeah, actually not much, I'm not. I'm, not much I'm snow outside. behind you there. I'm going to give you a, a look of where I am. Um, yeah. I think where Sean is very familiar. Yes. You can see Catalina Island in the distance there. I've and made so that, that, I've made that, that kind trek, of gives away where I am. Made that trek many times. So, Marco, yeah, we were talking yeah. about and, the... And there is Pepperdine in the back. That's right. Yeah, where Sean used to teach. There's a professor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you're talking about snow. Olympics. We're talking so, about Olympics yeah, right. and, the, and the fact they had to make the snow. Snow. Yeah. Which Marco, you've you skied on uh, man or have you human made yeah, snow like? in Big Bear? Yep. Oh yeah, I I have. Uh, the last time I ski was <laughs> with you and That's another right. friend of ours, and and since then I haven't, and I I think it could be easily. 10, 11 years yeah. is when that happened. So, yeah, I miss it for sure. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, are you a, a skier, Diana? I am a cross-country skier. I had the good fortune oh, nice. of a, a colleague of my father's was Norwegian. You know, he, 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 he's an, a professor in Norway, and he had come over to the U.S. to do some work at MIT Lincoln Labs. And and uh, when I was like nine years old, I think I, I, he, he taught me to, to cross-country ski. So I, I, I learned from, from a, a true, true like expert in, in cross-country skiing. But that's it. Um, I can cross-country. I can do those little itty-bitty hills that you get into sometimes when you're cross-country skiing. But mm -hmm. I'm not. I've never downhilled. I'm not, not a snowboarder, not a downhill skier, none of that. How about Vlad? But that's a great. But what? Vlad. Vlad. Is Vlad ski? Vlad? <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's, he's all about the heat. Oh, um, right. He would like to be with Marco in the, in the sun. He's, he very carefully <laughs> decides where he's going to be during the day. The reason he's behind me now is that the sun's hitting that part of the chair. So that's his, but he, he moves about the house seeking out the, the sun through the day. Nice. The hotter the better. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's, his fur is black. So he just basically, he just becomes oh, like yeah. a heater. He absorbs it all. Heat, heat yeah. If he, if he lays in the sun for a minute, it would be like you touch it and it would be super hot. Yeah. Yeah. You can get a little bit of it. And he's got really interesting fur because a lot, I've had all black cats before and they're actually kind of like dark cherry. You see them in the sun and it's just this really, really deep, dark red. That and But in sunlight, he's actually pretty pure black, but he's striped. 
he's like a tiger, but it's like a, one shade of black and another shade of black. And you uh -huh. can only see it in full sun, but he's got tiger stripes. Of, it's a strange, it's beautiful though. Nice. But, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Now you make. I don't know me... if you can capture that in uh, in a photo or not. I know. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> All right. Shall we uh, uh... quit rambling about? Okay. I mean, the the cat's cool, but my my stupid Olympic stuff. No. <laughs> Let's talk about some cool tech news, Diana. Okay. In, in, in tradition, what's going on? Okay, so I thought that this was this was really interesting. Um, it came out of the, uh, an article that I found in the New York Times that the headline was maybe there's a use for cryptocurrency after all. And I thought, oh, you know, that's interesting. What are they talking about? And it turns out it's about a company that was trying to make something called that they were seeing it as the people's network, which made me think one of the, oh, look, he's got, he's got your picture up there. Um, <laughs> one, it made me think about the, the Silicon Valley team you know, that, that TV show on HBO where they were trying to do, after they tried to do the middle out encryption, they were trying to create a completely decentralized distributed internet and everybody would be a little piece of the internet. And that's what this company Helium is, was, was, is trying to do still, is that they're trying to create the people's network or as the great Rick Mail was, the people's poet. Um, but this would be that everybody has, or, or people who are within the network, would put up uh, uh, routers or something like that, you know, a, a, a router to be able to pass the signal along a little bit like back in the days when there were BBS systems and it was expensive to call outside of your range, but you'd call to the next, the next hop, right? And then you could actually have this very long distance network at ver for very cheap. So this is using uh, LoRa WAN, which is the long range radio, uh, a wide area network and you create the hops along and the, the long range can be five, 10 miles away, but you can create a mesh that would cover the entire country with these devices. And they tried to, this company tried to get everybody to get in on board and say like, hey, look, we're all gonna create the people's network and won't this be absolutely wonderful. And after about two years of trying to do this really nice, wonderful, great thing, they realized that they were about to go bankrupt and go out of business. So they had a big meeting and they all got together. And apparently as the story goes, um, uh, after uh, much festive single malt drinking or, or worried single malt drinking, an engineer said, well, what if we had cryptocurrency involved with this? So they've reimagined the, they reimagined it. And now you, it's the same concept. It's still the people's network. It's still for now, it's the long range. And if you're wondering what hooks up to long range, it's not our phones or our laptops. Long range are the true IoT devices. And, and by true IoT, I mean things like a sensor that you would put in a refrigeration unit for a large retailer to see whether or not the meat that's being shipped in that truck is is kept at the right temperature or a tiny sensor that you'd put behind a very expensive piece of artwork to identify if that artwork has been moved or touched or is actually being stolen so those kinds of very small you know, humidity sensors um so these these very small sensor type uh things in iot are what's on the the laura wan and or a dog collar, if you want to track your dog, if it gets lost, that would probably be another device that rather than going on Wi-Fi or standard internet, they go on the, the LoRaWAN. Um, 
So they have. No, was, I'm sorry, Diana. Is it, yeah, Laura, you said it, and I didn't. I didn't catch it. Is it long range or low power or both? It's actually both. Okay. So it's it's long range. That's the L O R A, but it's part of. It's also part of a protocol that's about low power. Exactly. You're exactly right, Sean. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering all these little sensors probably don't have much in terms of power. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, so how are we going to bring this all together, have it be controlled by the people rather than controlled by, um, you know, a big corporation or whatever. Um, and uh, they got, so they got people on the, the, they said, let's try cryptocurrency. So now what you can do is if you set up one of their devices, if you set up a device, so they don't sell the devices, but they have partnered with companies, then you become part of the people's network and provide this coverage for the long range WAN. And by getting on the network and providing the coverage, instead of having proof of stake mining, they have something called proof of coverage. So your device is saying, I'm here, I'm creating coverage so that my device is providing network access and another hop along the path. So I'm part of the mesh. And then you can uh, use that and it's, it's creating its own cryptocurrency, which I forget what it's worth right now, but I did read as I was studying this to see, is this real or people using it? Someone who on Medium, who does a, a, a Medium blog about, you know, had like different ways to do, get extra money, you know, so they're, they're trying to like, what are your side gigs? So they tried this as a side gig and between the beginning of the year and now they were making $500 a month. They made $500 a month in the, in the coin. So it was just kind of an interesting, you know, this interesting idea to create the people's network, but then how they in 2019 turned it from a network people weren't being part of to something that people are being part of by incorporating cryptocurrency and proof of coverage into the, into the mix. So, just... so the, al the altruistic, uh, dream wasn't enough. <laughs> you had to yeah. actually incentivize somebody. So yeah. And the, the reason I asked about the well, the low power is I was thinking about the devices, but uh, is the mining taking place on this network as well? Because wouldn't that like destroy the network, or it, is it just they're paying through crypto and the mining for the cryptos elsewhere, or is it combined, or what is it? I think doing parts of the mining because I think the proof of stake here is is with the proof of coverage I think there's some mining going on but it's very low power because from what I read it's only going to take about five watts I think it was a, a month so it seems that it too that whatever they've got is is also low power which makes sense because if you're going to put something into somebody's house and they're going to share the bandwidth but you're then going to run up their electric bill you know, it doesn't help if they're, if you're making $500 a month, if you're spending an extra 600 for the electricity rate, this wouldn't be, be very Yeah, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know the technicality of it, but it looks like on a low power, you're not going to be able to mine. But, but the fact that you're using the proof of having that on coverage, and yeah. With, the, yeah, with the coverage makes sense because uh, I was looking in cryptocurrency lately, and, and uh, the, the application are just crazy. Like, for example, there's one that is called Power Ledger, not to go back into the, 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 the green energy grid, but the Power Ledger is actually made by this company that pretty much um, allows people to resell their energy 
the extra energy that they create, as we talked many times in the past. And so each one of these initiatives now, they do have the cryptocurrencies, almost like it's the law that you have to have that. <laughs> like, like I was looking into a new one the other day. It's called Audius, and it's, uh, it's very popular now. They're talking about it because it's an alternative um, Spotify, considering everything that's going on there. And, and of course, I'll actually learn about it because I saw this Audius uh, cryptocurrency, and then I connected. I went the other way. And then I discovered that it's actually an independent artist radio, that it's all free, but you can actually uh, pay oh. or contribute to the artist by using the cryptocurrency. So it, it's an entire new, new world, but this is the cryptocurrency side, of course, that what yeah. is really cool is kind of like this, this, you know, free, like almost like it sounds like a pirate internet, like a 3.0. <laughs> Right, that is not control, and and that people just create uh, their own. So that's that's cool. I, I I must ask what you guys see in terms of security on doing this, because uh, so, it comes spontaneous the question. So speaking of pirate internet, right? Because on the the long range, it's these low power devices, but they are hooking this up now into five G which could actually make this fully um, from, again, I, I'm not an expert in this. I just did some research to be able to right. talk a little about yeah. it. But from, from what I read, the security aspects of it are staying with the provider. So they're, they're. Oh, I see. So you're just amplifying the signal. Yeah. 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 But, um, and I think that the, the, the issue outside of just making sure that the signals there would be, if you get into an area that doesn't have coverage, if you know somebody tried to take somebody else's device out because they were making money because they had better coverage and some, that that kind of stuff, I think you're right would have to be looked so, at. In a so not too long world. ago, there was something proposed by, of course, Amazon, where they were. I don't know if yeah. it's active this thing or not, but it was actually about your devices to become competitors of the signal so that if your device goes down, I mean, your internet goes down, but next to you, you're using like a, like a camera, like a ring camera, it could yeah. hop on that Wi-Fi. So you're yeah. feeding your camera and your camera doesn't go down, which is good. But then there was the old security thing connected to that. <laughs> like, of course, uh, you know, the good at the bad of the story. So Sean, uh, there's always the dark side and, you know, not because I have Darth Vader on my head, but there's always the dark side. There is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is who has access control for, for the network and the devices and just the turn it off. Just crossing <laughs> it. And yeah. So who, yeah. Who, who's, if it's for the people, uh, is the people running it, or I don't, I don't know what's what's the sure there's a there's a uh, some technology being used or or method to let the traffic flow, uh, and I don't know if it's TCP or whatever it is, but uh, there's something around that, and somebody's controlling that, right? But what I wanted to 
maybe not not focus so much on the security is kind of the use case you mentioned a couple dan and i was just thinking well, what what else might this be interesting for i like the uh, i really like the one of keeping track of perishables and making sure mm -hmm. that the temperatures stay within range so that they arrive in good in good uh, form <laughs> yeah i'm just wondering what is this a couple things came to mind um first would be sensors in homes to track microclimate yeah um might be one another um i hate to even go here but i'm going to anyway if a sensor is our watch it could track uh micro health uh, outbreaks of flu measles whatever else um it's not an art any maybe the article mentioned others or maybe you have some other ideas or marketing anything well i didn't know about this but of course it, it always makes me think about there's so much good and then there is a little bit of bad and and maybe because i'm connecting it to the news that i was thinking about talking today is the element of trust like like that yeah. contract uh, it's kind of like, you know, the social contract, like, okay, is the people internet that makes me think a lot of, you know, really good intention, the manifesto, uh, you know, and then, and then as it happened in history, the bad intent, the good intention turned out in, in bad things sometimes. So uh, as long as you can establish that trust level, uh, either because it's a contractual, even through, 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 uh, digital currency. I mean, you can do a digital contract there and, and if you screw up, you're, you're out. But I think the potential is, is incredible and I, I want to focus on those for, for once. <laughs> like we're always talking about the bad side. Of things. That's an interesting thing. So you said digital contracts or crypto contracts, but you, you use it in the context of currency. I'm just wondering that there's a whole thing there of having some contract that can be enforced so if you're if you're within the guidelines you can stay on the network and continue to quote unquote participate and maybe even earn if you fall out of yeah. bounds if you're an asshole sorry <laughs> you, your contracts are moving but the next step beyond that is do you lose the monetary value because then that's an in, becomes an interesting case oh, of yeah. all right some you may not be doing something malicious or intending to be um, a bad person on this network, um, but you may not do something right. And so if there's a, a negative impact, you might take a little extra time to make sure your own network is configured properly and that you're not sharing credentials with your kids so they can play the games that access these sensors that connect to these networks or whatever it is. So there might be, might be an incentive to actually think about this mm -hmm. <laughs> and do the right thing, not just because, but because you're going to actually keep the money you've made by participating. It, you know, from a philosophical perspective, what you said, it, it's, kind, it's kind of that loop again, that the good intention turning into something bad or this need of freedom and independence. You do things in the name of freedom, but then you realize that if you don't enforce that freedom, you you know, the bad, the bad actor are going to step in. So somebody's right. going to have to control. So you end up creating that government entity that it was the first thing that you didn't want to have to start with. 
so it become the loop that well that's a big debate for all of this right but there could be a way that is a that is a, a, a again like a digital contract that it's just enforced by respecting the rules what if it's not an entity that does that but are the rule itself that automatically if something goes wrong you're kicked yeah. out but then you're going to say well how, i'm going to hack the rules you get kicked out Marco. yeah yeah <laughs> you're going to have to trust that and it's getting windy here so i hope you're not getting that uh in the microphone but i'm going to throw these and connect them quickly with the news that i was bringing yeah bring, is, bring your news yeah yeah it, it's exactly this so it, it's an entire wow it's getting windy i'm gonna fly in a little bit <laughs> like flying as long as you don't hear it uh it's pretty bad we hear you um, moving so, around avoiding the wind but not the wind itself no, I'm going to go behind the tree here. I'm going to go behind the tree. No, it's not helping. Uh, no. So this is, is about uh, airplanes, fighter jets, driven by artificial intelligence. And it's a DARPA project that they've been experimenting to the point that now artificial intelligence can dogfight. Not just flying an airplane, dogfighting, which is, you know, the top mm. guns that we see, where the rule of engagement are incredibly tough. You're talking about a three, like an environment that has three dimensions. So it's not just driving a car left, right, and straight. Uh, it's about, you know, everything changed when you're piloting an airplane. And when you have to make split decision and 3G and fighting against another one that is as smart as you and fast as you. And so the artificial intelligence is getting there, mm. but what they are doing is they're studying how, because they're not just going to have it completely independent and making decision because they're talking about weapons, to always have the supervision of a captain that can control, let's say, a, a group, a storm of of, uh, of drones, real size airplane drones, and you can decide at a certain point to engage in combat or not, and so forth. And they find out that the biggest problem is not much the intelligence that is getting there and the ability to pilot, but is gaining the trust of the people in charge of artificial intelligence. And and that's why I'm bringing it here. Like it's almost like. Why are we not having cars on the street right now that are artificial intelligence driven? I think, as is proven, you can do it, but the government are not going to give it the, uh, the complete okay because we are afraid that something is going to go wrong. And I'm going to stop the news here because it's the connection between trust and technology. And, and that's why I looked at to what you were saying, right? I mean, how do you create this trust between the man and the machine where you can gain the trust in small teaspoon and it takes one mistake and one issue to lose a bucket of, of trust? And then, you know, the single incident, accident of the self-driving car and set back years of deployment. So I love your opinion on, on this. Well, I mean, with the, the case of the self-driving car, it's, it's not just 
one incident. It's more with that the class of problems or failure modes that that incident can be indicating. So if if you've got a car that isn't seeing the stop sign properly because it's too sunny out or because the stop sign has graffiti on it or because somebody has put uh, image graphic image stickers on it, it may go through the stop sign because of one of those it feels like that's one problem. Oh, you know, that that stop sign was just too sunny that day. But what it's indicating is that there's a class of failure modes that if there's enough perturbation of change in the stop sign, that the car is just not able to create the context of, oh, I see stop. And in addition to that, what some researchers have done is they've done things like they can just put stickers on a stop sign or, or spray graffiti on it so that the car misses it. And the the impact right because risk is always likelihood times impact so we know the likelihood's pretty high that there could be something that throws the 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 computer vision off in terms of, of parsing that that stop sign properly but then the impact is so high i.e loss of life human life somebody walking through the road that the car was supposed to be stopping at um, that when you put those two together, it may feel like, oh, we've got all this work and there was just one mistake, but it's actually this, it's a class of failure modes that haven't been solved for. And the impact is potentially so great, i.e. loss of life, that you step back and say, we're not as far. And I think that's with autonomous driving is that we're not as far as we'd like to be in large part because of all of these natural things that come in and interfere with the autonomous vehicle's ability to perform as expected. Actually, in a dogfight, it might be easier because we know the we, we could tune it for it's it's in a certain kind of weather or the the wind patterns or something. But if you think about every car in in the world driving, think of all the different you know the different light situations, the graffiti that can be on it, the wear pattern of the of the um, the signs itself, or you know the the lines in the road, there's a lot, a lot that, that autonomous cars really have to contend with that our, our world is just really not designed. And a much smarter person in this than I, I was asking them this exact question, someone who's very high up in one of the very large uh, car companies, I said, how soon? And the response was not for, for years and years unless we redo the roads. If we redo the roads, then yes, then we can do it very quickly. But if we don't redo the roads, long. And how many roads would we need to redo, or do we just create new ones and let's go, let's bulldoze some houses and uh, create new roads for <laughs> eminent domain? <laughs> get rid right. of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe we could just do highways, right? I mean, yeah. so we drive on on the the rural roads, which have a lot of problems with you know the lines not being drawn properly or you know fading and things. Um, I'm not implying that the lines were misdrawn. I, I, I meant you know they faded, they crumbled away with wear. Um, the question is, when enough is enough? Well, it's situational. Do you just want an autonomous car? Marco does, I think. Yeah. Well, I think to I mean, you make some extremely important points, Diana. And we lost him. The, uh, I think he's muted, but that's all right. It's windy, so he's muting. That's why I muted it. But my point is, how many accidents? When when do you balance the error? The error. You finally say, 
Well, it's interesting that you're bringing that perspective because I think on pretty much every other conversation that we have, it's like, why yeah. are we pushing technology so fast? <laughs> right now, we play so it. So, I I'm think going that, the there's, other way around today. there you Sorry. go. There's one big difference between the two cars and and fighter jets um, because I, I think the ultimate goal with cars is to move precious cargo people and other things yeah and i think the ultimate goal with the fighter jet i would think is to not have a human in there <laughs> why why put that why put the human Good at risk point. when if you can if so maybe to your point of trust they don't trust losing them the investment of that plane so they stick a person in there to make sure everything goes right and and with extreme failures, so the plane doesn't crash, and then and hopefully the human can save themselves at the same time. Um, but I think it's different because ultimately the plane it's going to fly itself, right? And whether it needs to be full size that can hold a person and do all the other stuff that that goes on with the pilot inside, if or if it's just computers and and weapons, uh, it may look very different and. I don't know, maybe configured to fly in a different way. Uh, maybe there's night ones versus day ones. Maybe there's yeah. rain versus uh, dry sun, uh, dry ones. And, and they get deployed based on the use case. And it's not built for every situation necessarily. I think we see a lot of things purpose built now. Mm. And, I, and especially when we talk about AI, we see a lot of algorithms built for specific use cases that might be apply applicable to something else, but maybe not for the grand AI. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, everything's under one yeah. AI uh, yeah. world that I think we often picture. Yeah. Like a big general AI sky right. or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. Yeah. No, the, the point here, and I'll talk to when the doesn't pick up again. I mean, more than what it is. But the thing is, there is two angles here. One is that the AI, AI is getting so good that can dogfight. And the other one is that it has to win the trust of the people in order to be applied. And yeah. so I kind of want the other way around. I mean, on, an, on a commercial flight, there is no question that when the pilot, you know, needs the, the help of the AI landing in a in a really bad visual condition or in a storm or anything like that, there's no questions about it. But, but uh, the level of the dogfighting is that split decision that a machine can make so much faster than, an, than a pilot, even the most experienced yeah. one. And it could make the difference between winning or losing, you know, a jet fight. So, but, but still, they need to, they need to conquer the trust of those in charge, that they know what it means to fly the plane. Mm -hmm. So that, it's kind of, you know, something to think about. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I still have a hard time getting my head wrapped around why we, why we would have dog fights <laughs> in the first place. But anyway. All right, um, grill with grilling. Grilling. Yeah, all right. I know we're going to, we're going to cut it here in a minute. So thankfully mine's, mine's quick. And it's AI 
for barbecues. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know okay. if there's AI in it. No, nah, what I what I found is is lame and uh I'm I'm extremely pleased to bring this. It's it's the in for using a brand name, it's the Roomba for your barbecue. Okay. So it's the grill cleaner. <laughs> Oh, so you guys has, do the scrubby, little scrubby, wheels, scrubby? Has little wheels, and it. I love it. Kind of goes around. Uh, it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is one of those technology <laughs> technologies. Do we really need it? Maybe I don't know. I guess grills. Grills. It, it, it was timely because there's a big grilling weekend, right? For for people who can get outside and, and because grill of the puppy for, bowl, the puppy bowl, the this puppy weekend? bowl, exactly. Yeah. 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 Grilling, grilling hot dogs. Yeah, exactly. veggie dogs. <laughs> veggie dogs for the puppy bowl. That we do exactly. that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I guess the, the the technology is not you new, but it's the the application of it. And yeah, I didn't expect us to spend a lot of time on this, obviously, but it was something that that was interesting. So the question is, is it a gimmick? Does it provide value? Um, it doesn't really say it's a tweet post, so it doesn't really say much in terms of of uh, how much it's analyzing. It, it talks more about the batteries and and then it uh, and has the bristles to clean and things like that. I would I would get it if it was the right price because trying to scrub out the the grill itself is really time consuming. You never get it quite clean, and and after a few years, right, you end up having to get a new one. So if you could just finish your cooking, wait till I guess you need to do cool, but and then you put your little bot down and it does its thing. I, I, I like it. I don't see a downside to that unless it's really expensive. So we're, we're cool without any question about an artificial intelligence that clean your grill, but we're not going to give it a $2 billion jet. Right. <laughs> that sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> is that That's what right. we're doing AI at the end? I, I want, I want or... the, the grill cleaner <laughs> okay. to make my grill fly like a jet. I don't know if that's going to happen. There you go. Can your grill dogfight is the question. That's right. Let, let's that's talk right. about the capacity of AI. I mean, what, what kind of intelligence do you really need to do that <laughs> or clean the floor versus, you know, fly in a jet that... that you know, 4Gs and, and fighting uh, crazy maneuver, which at the end, I, I look at that, I mean, honestly, I, I like you said, I'd rather not have uh, jet fights or war in general. But when you think about the application of the artificial intelligence, be able to do something like that, and then you think about who is going to fly the the space ships that we're going to use to go to, to Mars or to explore the universe, it's it's quite impressive the things that we can already achieve. So that that's the good uh, that's the good news there. I mean, if we don't do war, I'm I'm better off myself. Yeah, for sure. War against dirty grill. What are that's those right. grill grates? War against dirty grill grates. There we go. So Sean, you know about food, but growing up, I I heard people say you never clean the grill. Have you ever heard that? Because he could kind of get disinfected on his own when you burn it. And... Yeah. What's what's your theory on that? What's your theory? <laughs> Depends how lazy you are. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, they're, they're not different schools of thought. I mean, some it. some pans, cast iron pans and girdles. I yeah. think you, you kind of they. What is it called? Season. They, they right. season. Uh, I don't know. I, depends what you're cooking. I'm, I'm certainly not a scientist to know where where things could go bad. But I'm thinking maybe an undercooked piece of chicken left on there <laughs> might might not be good. Or let's be honest, it, what you put on in food may not be the only thing on there. Um, cockroaches come to mind. I had I remember being away for months when I live not far from where you are right now, Marco, up in the mountains. I came back to a, a barbecue that served as a as a uh, primary home for uh, a bunch of rats. They <laughs> crawled up in there and well, yeah, awesome. now you're kind of crossing awesome. the line there. <laughs> we so, had problems. yeah so even if they don't set up house they they certainly go in and have a nibble and so if you don't clean the grill so so what, what, what is, poop. that's right what the, what does it look like is it a little a little spider that just goes through it or is it a big machine what, what is it? it it looks the size of if i had to guess um I'm just looking at the video here again. Maybe the size of a frisbee, and it's round. It's okay. round in diameter, or it's round, circular in diameter, or circular. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, kind oh. of, kind of fits like this. Assuming you can see my hand, yeah. so it fits mm -hmm. in there. Three, three bristles. And they kind of go so like a, like so a rail. They're they're kind of no, it's kind of spinning like. It has three. Mm. Three rotating bristles on the bottom. Oh, I see. Okay. I was not seeing that at all. I was thinking like one of those little hex bugs, but that kind of grabbed onto each one of the metal spokes. You know, it would just go from one end right. of the spoke to the other and then move. And oh, I didn't think of like a big spinning. Yeah. So I don't know how effective it is just kind of rambling around, hoping to get in between. So it might, <laughs> may not be, maybe effective is not the right word. Although that could be, it could be a question as well, but efficient. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Um, if you're going straight in between, it might be a little more efficient than if you're just kind of spinning around and not catching every in-between spot. Correct. So uh, it might take two or three times as long. I don't know. Although you think that they probably engineer, I'd be interested in the engineering because right. they must have, have designed this to be as effective as, as possible and efficient as possible. Yeah. So maybe it's, maybe if it was like a little hex bug kind of thing, it's, it takes too long or it doesn't balance. Whereas this thing balances. It might get stuck because it, because it seems it like this, pop. yeah, it has yeah. to stay on top to move around a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So and and also Diana, track. you're, I don't know which That's kind of grill you're picturing because it's showing it in in uh, in a grill that's charcoal, like the the kind of the basin ones. Yep. With the with the coal, but it also shows it on a gas one that are more rectangular. I was so, thinking the charcoal ones. Yeah. yeah, that's. But, but does it need to be intelligent? What What does the intelligence bring to cleaning a grill? <laughs> <laughs> that's what we, I mean. Doesn't How does it know when it's done? Mechanical adoption. Oh, it it sounds like intelligence. Yeah. One of those, you know, let's use artificial intelligence in your toothbrush. So maybe it's gonna find out where your cavity is. Now that's good. Why don't you add a toothbrush? It tells you if you have a cavity before it becomes too big. But 
again, what's the advantage of the artificial intelligence on cleaning the grill? I'm not so sure, but yeah, oh yeah, maybe, maybe it's gonna help some other. Yeah. I or just when it's exactly what Sean said. How do you know when it's clean? Yeah. That's the intelligence. I now it's now sparkling. I'm my, my right. work here is complete. That's right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can I can see that. Otherwise it's just gonna stop when you have to stop it, or it has to stop exactly. when you actually run out of battery, or you have to put a timer, yeah. which might be too early and it's not clean. Exactly. Okay. So if it's if it can sounds like out, my wash machine that it just left my dishwasher doesn't clean the dishes sometimes and, and I have to do it by hand and I'm like what's the point I wish you were intelligent and now I now I know that I'm onto something because see conversation that helps love it well, needs to know when it you alerts you you need time. to know when to stop that's the key exactly enough, exactly. enough is wisdom enough. artificial right? wisdom that's right. <laughs> that, that we need it. And, and with that one, if somebody can invent some artificial wisdom, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. All righty then. Uh, Sean, uh, I think this is the last time. I, like, I feel like, you know, like when you watch those uh, guys and, and gals stray from the heart of the hurricane or Florida right before them. <laughs> <laughs> I had to come around and, and need you, this you need your weather channel jacket on yeah yeah it's it's a beautiful view but you know I'm dealing with this so that was fun I loved it something different afternoon wind coming through that's the yeah. wind shifts you could have a lot of fun sailing right now Sean that's right Make it make it to the island quickly with the, the nice nice blow of wind there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, good time. Someday, good someday memories there too. Yeah, good memories for sure. All righty, right. I think we're good, and we have some news, but we decided that it's too early. So yeah. maybe people want to stay tuned. The next episode, which may also be just two of us or two of you, or two of two of you or. Two. One sounds of like not, a song one of, from the 80s. One of not me. Two know. of two. On, only two of us. Wasn't that a song? Like just, the just the two of us. Just the two of us. Sing it, Marco. Sing it. No. <laughs> Sing it out. <laughs> no. I'm gonna pass it now. <laughs> All right. I think the Although audience. The audience thinks it's. Nah. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, thank you. Have, thank don't you worry, folks. Me. I have the uh, mute button ready. If he starts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. Sing. <laughs> All right, I think I'm gonna go enjoy a, a drive through the canyon and uh, you enjoy the drive. Uh, dog fight on the way back. Happy Pup Bowl, everybody! Happy Puppy Bowl! Yes, enjoy uh, enjoy the, the clean barbecues. Everyone that bought one of those fancy devices and uh, yeah, I, new tech. Yeah, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy, enjoy everything. Enjoy life. Enjoy technology. Enjoy technology responsibly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, I'm taking us out. See y'all next week. Take us out. Bye bye. Bye bye. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program 
with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.